Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Daniel from Nolco Inc., the no-loss company, which he launched after the interview was recorded, so we don't mention it specifically, but I've linked it all up in the, in the show notes. We chatted through Twitter as Daniel has a strong passion for personal finance, how to get a better personal economy and better spending habits. He's absolutely not afraid to go against the grain, which is something that will definitely stand out in our conversation today. We will discuss how Daniel approaches his finances in Norway, one of the richest countries in the world, but also a country where the peer pressure is strong. And I know something about it because I lived there for 10 years. Anyway, he will share his big passion for saving money and investing in dividend stocks and how that can be, in his own word, so much fun. The interview is light and accessible. And despite his young age, Daniel comes on the show with great wisdom for all of us. This episode is for you if you're looking at growing your wealth over time beyond the simple savings accounts, and certainly if you feel that, yeah, sometimes you buy things because everyone else around you does so. And now, without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Daniel. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm doing fine. Preparing myself for a couple of beers later and uh, yeah, just chilling. So how about you? <laughs> no, excellent. Well, for me, uh, it's Friday evening here in Luxembourg. It's okay. Today, it's a quiet evening for me. No beers uh, today. Let's see <laughs> this weekend, though. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And uh, Daniel, so you are uh, in Norway. That's uh, funny because you know, or maybe you don't know, <laughs> but I lived, um, I lived in Norway for uh, 10 plus years, just I think uh, just a little bit more than 10 years. So I know the country very well. Uh, lived in Oslo, the capital. And uh, yeah, of course, I was already interested in personal finance when I was living there. But I'm glad to have you here on the show so I can have a Norwegian speak about uh, personal finance on the show. Because if I speak about the Norwegian habits of personal finance, it might be misinterpreted or uh, say, yeah, but you're not even Norwegian, blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> glad to have you here, Daniel. And uh, yeah, Daniel, so you're passionate about personal finance, but do you have a blog or something or uh, where does that uh, passion come from? Basically, it started with saving in the bank. Um, but like most people, I figured out that this is not going to make me rich. Uh, this is not going to make me pass anything on to my children and grandchildren one day. So I started reading and I started reading about uh, stocks and the stock market and uh, how all that works. Mm -hmm bought myself this book, The Intelligent Investor. It's about um, Benjamin Graham. That's kind of my road, really. Uh, it all started with saving in uh, in this uh, funds through the bank. But then I moved on to picking my own stocks after reading a lot about that. And mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty much it, really. Um, just started saving because I'm pretty young now. I'm just 22 years old. I'm going to study so it's kind of important to sort of save uh, money, not for myself necessarily, but mm -hmm. at least for my children uh, in the future. Yeah, oh, very good. And um, yeah, it's good that you start so young because at 22, I can tell you, I was not uh, investing in the stock markets or even reading about personal finance. I was saving money here and there, but it was mostly just putting money on a savings account uh, 
which was producing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no, that's good. Uh, you're taking the right steps, uh, Daniel. But then um, how come you wanted to be rich or what does this, how come you picked up the book, The Intelligent Investor? Because, um, okay, I, I have it as well. I haven't gone through it entirely yet, but okay, maybe I would not go straight to that book if I was starting with personal finance. Why did you choose to go to that uh, book or where did you find inspiration or the ideas to read that book? Basically, the inspiration came from the fact that saving money is quite fun. Uh, it can be fun uh, mm -hmm. if you sort of let it be fun. The problem I had with saving in uh, a savings account was you're not getting paid anything for having the money in, in the bank. Yeah. So the only option you have is buying a house or, or uh, apartment. But then again, mm -hmm. I'm just 22 years old. It, I don't have the capital or, or uh, the equity for, to, do, to do so. Um, so yeah, I went with the stock market, bought the book, uh, started reading. Uh, Benjamin Graham sounded rather interesting. Uh, Warren Buffett as well. I mean, they were not rich people from the beginning. They were They had standard jobs, they had standard lives, and suddenly they became rich. But I, I don't want to be rich. Uh, the thing with the stock market is I want to be financially independent. I just want this freedom uh, to be able to spend my dividends uh, on expenses, for instance, mm -hmm. sort of not be depending on my salary only. Okay, yeah, I see. And then, uh, yeah, I've seen on you have a Twitter account and you are a uh you're putting your uh, sharing your portfolios, etc. And you really focus on those dividend stocks. But we'll get back to that later. And uh, one thing that um, strikes me, uh, Daniel, is that, you know, since uh, I lived in Norway, I have a little feeling of how people think there or how uh, people are using their money. Mm. And uh, my idea, my impression, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that many people in Norway, their main way of investing is uh, through their real estate market. So they buy their first apartment, the value of the apartment grows and people use that equity to buy another property or to use that money to uh, invest or to reduce their um, costs. And that's a, a way to invest. And um, regarding stock markets, I remember seeing reading articles in the press, in the Norwegian press, that people actually, okay, the majority of people, they do not invest in the stock markets. And um, we talked just a bit before the show and I went to this um, stock action, I mean, how we call that? Um, <laughs> I went to this um, stock events uh, in Oslo, which takes place uh, every now and then. I don't, I don't remember if it's every quarter, but the average age there, it was, uh, yeah, far above uh, 40 years old, which is okay, but it was not very um, popular among young people. So I don't know, do you have, do you share that same impression that people are more invested in the real estate market rather than stock markets? Yeah, actually I do. Um, all my friends are talking about buying their first mm -hmm. uh, house or apartment instead of actually uh, talking about stocks. I mean, stocks are a better way to save your capital uh, because it's easier to get rid of the stocks uh, and gain the money rather than uh, selling your house or apartment. I mean, selling your house now, for instance, in this pandemic, kind of impossible. But selling stocks now, it's pretty easy, to be honest. So that's that's um, one thing to look at it. Yeah, yeah. But you mentioned. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but you mentioned the pandemic and the the stock markets has gone down. Okay, now it's uh, at the moment of recording, it it went up uh, quite drastically. So I think that's why uh, people are um, maybe a bit afraid of investing because the volatility is quite high at certain points, especially now. Yeah, I mean, I mean most people in Norway are 
take my girlfriend for instance she's she's completely afraid of the stock market um mm. she just looks at it like it's gambling <laughs> yeah like gambling with your money uh, she looks like like at it like a casino so she hates it and uh, she barely uh saves anything in in funds in general mm. um all in the bank so i'm working on that working on making her uh save some money at least in funds she doesn't really have to pick her own stocks. Uh, I can do that for myself, but funds, I kind of look at it as a must for me mm-hmm. because you're not getting anything in the bank. But most people in Norway, uh, they're kind of afraid, afraid of their money. They look at the stock market like it's something evil, something bad. You hear about people all the time that have, have lost money on, on stocks and funds. Yeah. So people in general are just keeping themselves to... to uh, to a normal savings account in in uh, in the bank, or maybe one with uh, a little bit higher returns, but in the bank. What is your plan with that money? Because you you were talking about dividends. So is the is it the plan to uh, make uh, recurring cash flows from those dividends, or do you plan to buy some real estate at some point? Where do you want to go here? Basically, the the plan is as of now and perhaps 10 years in the future it's it's just going to be me and the dividends um <laughs> but um and the in girlfriend the future, <laughs> yeah 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 sometimes even her uh, we'll see about that uh but um for now it's just going to be me and the dividends i'm just mm-hmm. like uh, the dividends grow uh, every year uh, until i'm sort of happy with the dividend income uh then i'm going to move slowly move into the real estate because it's safer, I mean, sort of safer. Uh, you, you sort of feel more safe if you have uh, apartments that you're, that you're renting out and the prices are going higher each year, especially in Norway and in Oslo. Mm-hmm. So that's why people, including me at some points, uh, look to the real estate market. It seems more safe yeah. uh, because you never hear about those that sort of failed in the real estate market. but. You only hear about those in the stock market. That's the difference. Uh, you rarely hear about people uh, in the real estate that actually does pretty good. Uh, no, sorry, in the stock market. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the plan is just let them grow. And at some point, uh, when the dividends are high enough, um, slowly start with real estate. And uh, then I'm just going to pass that on to my children when the time comes, yep. uh, when they're ready for it. And if they're never ready for it, then probably not going to pass them to mm-hmm. them. Okay. Now, but that's quite interesting because um, uh, it's funny that you say that um, saving is uh, can be fun. Let it, you can let it be fun. So that's, that was a nice quote there. <laughs> because when I was living in Norway and, you know, it's a country, it's a bit like Luxembourg where I live now. Okay, mm. the people, I mean, the, the, the level of living, the, the lifestyle people enjoy uh, quite a good lifestyle in general. I mean, people go to restaurants, people have a roof, people have food, and Norway is one of the richest countries in the world. And, you know, so then personal finance, I had the feeling it was not such a need or perceived as a need to to get more interest. So it feels like people were living yeah, in their own world. They're like, yeah, no, everything is good. I have my job. I have this. I have enough income. I go on holiday. I go, uh, yeah, I go to have beers on Friday or whatever. But yeah, I mean, people live well. So then this need for saving, this need for getting interest in personal finance is not there. So how, how come you uh, <laughs> are interested into saving money and you even find it funny? The reason why it's funny is 
I'm tracking my portfolio uh, in uh, in numbers, the mm-hmm. the app from Apple, um, and and to me to look at the numbers growing, perhaps each month, but definitely for a year. That's that's kind of fun to see something grow. Uh, even if you plant a tree in your garden, it's it's fun to see it grow up someday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same with your kids. I mean, if if you get a kid, it's it's beautiful to see it grow up. So it's it's sort of the same thing with the money. Uh, just see the snowball effect slowly getting a little bit older a little little more money in every year every month uh and that's fun uh, and and when it comes to saving money like each month it, to me it's now a routine every month when i get a salary it's like oh yes oh i'm clapping my hands i'm ready to buy stocks you know i'm so happy <laughs> finally oh this time of the month and um it was not like that last year it I was not like that at all. I was like, when when the salary came, I was like, yeah, it's it's beer time. Let's go, boys. Yeah, <laughs> go out. So something changed, and I think I just uh, mentally realized that I can't live like this um, for the rest of my life. I mean, I need to settle down uh, with a girl. I need to get myself a good financial security. Yeah, uh, and and sort of, you know, I'm I'm not gonna get myself kids if I can't take care of them, and and I can't take care of them if I'm not financially secured. So mm-hmm. that also was a huge reason for why I started uh, being so uh, obsessed with saving money. And now recently, I even changed my bank account, uh, changed from the Norwegian bank, uh, DNB, mm-hmm. to uh, Revolut. Yeah, the reason for that was. I mean, Revolut has this amazing thing uh, where you, you you can track your expenses, you can track your savings and everything. I mean, it's so beautiful to look at all these graphs and it makes everything easier. It makes saving uh, a lot more fun than, than just putting the money in funds and never look at them. I mean, that's boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so saving can be a lot of fun. It's just up to yourself uh, and make it, let it be fun, not just do it like a routine and... It's it's like eating, you know. Eating is boring because you make it be boring. Like, okay, I'm gonna eat two o'clock, and yeah, same thing next day. Just make it something fun. Make it something enjoyable, not just do it because you have to. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, with saving, it's good to have a goal, like a target, you know. And maybe you say, well, look, if I save, uh, I don't know, uh, such an amount, then I can do this with it, you know. Uh, Let's yeah. say you save uh, 500 euros. Uh, yeah, but then I can buy myself something or I buy more stocks. You know, y- you always need to tie it to something fun. And with food is the same, huh? make it enjoyable or, uh, okay, let's say you, you're on a diet. Well, okay, then uh, you have a cheat day or whatever, and then you make something fun. And then, okay, it's kind of something boring and balancing it with the rewards. So it, it keeps you going. And then with the, how can I say the long-term goals in your head? I think that's uh, the, the the best way to look at it. Eh? It's a little suffering sometimes maybe, but uh, if you invest in dividend stocks and you're a money nerd, okay, everything is fun then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, just uh, one question because, okay, m- no way for the listeners who do not know, well, it's quite an expensive country to to live in actually. I mean, it's the, the food. I remember it was quite expensive. Transport mm. costs are expensive. Clothing, etc. it was pretty similar to what you find at least in Central Europe. So I thought it was quite okay. But some costs which are needed are expensive. So I was just wondering uh, what type of costs of what type of savings are you applying to your uh, budgets, uh, Daniel? For me, it's pretty easy, to be honest, uh, mm-hmm. because I'm in the military. We get most mostly f- everything free. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> we get uh, food, we get uh, travel expenses covered. Everything is basically free for me, mm-hmm. uh, unless I'm traveling uh, for something personal. Then it's uh, something I need to cover myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm budgeting. I'm I'm basically counting every every single uh, kroner that I'm getting each month. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's because I'm not getting a huge salary. I can't do whatever I want because right now I just moved in with my girlfriend. And you sort of depends on your situation, of course. I mean, if if you're middle class, upper class, you don't need to count your uh, your money. Uh, you always have money. And another very bad thing that most Norwegians do is having a lot of debt. Yeah, okay. Because usually that's uh, what we talk about with uh, my American friends, you know, like uh, debt, 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 consumer debt we're talking, right? Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Every Norwegian, I mean, I've not met any Norwegian that does not have a credit card. Most of the students, uh, I was told by my girlfriend uh, prior to this show that most of the students use the credit cards every month. And sort of lack on the payments afterwards. So mm-hmm. Norway is pretty bad when it comes to debt, personal debt or consumer debt. That makes things things a little bit scary, you know. Um, you, you sort of always have money because mm-hmm. of the credit card. And it, it looks like every everyone can afford everything because they're just swiping their cards and you don't know which card it is. But for a Norwegian living in Norway... Uh, I, I can tell you that most of them doesn't really have uh, those money. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like it, but they don't. Um, a lot of most of the people have debt so far above their head that I can't imagine how they're ever gonna get out of it. But uh, but yeah, it's it's very expensive living in Norway, uh, especially going out with friends. Yeah, restaurants and beers. I mean, and alcohol. It's quite a. It's quite yeah, expensive. That, yeah, the, the alcohol is terrible. Uh, not only does it taste terrible, but it's also, <laughs> <laughs> it's also expensive. It's like mm. you're killing me twice. Food is expensive, but th- but then again, you don't have to make it expensive. You also have cheap versions of food. It's called first price in here here in Norway. Mm-hmm. It's cheaper. Of course, there are differences uh, when it comes to taste. It's a difference there, but I mean, it's 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 a habit. You just have to make it a habit, and uh, I think everyone can survive perfectly well with first price food compared to uh, the original food mm-hmm. um me and my girlfriend for instance we're, we're just using first price food because that's what we can afford yeah mm-hmm. she's a student i'm in the military and that's just how it is yeah and then one thing is that you know we were talking about going out and spending money and when i was living there i felt as well that okay people uh, living in norway norwegians and uh, internationals you know, you live there and there's a lot of habits in the culture. You know, you need to go to uh, to the south for a trip. There's a, people go on a cabin. So people buy a cabin in the mountains or something, or you yeah. can rent it. But there's a lot of habits, which are nice. I mean, uh, I went to some cabin trips myself. It's really great. But all these habits, in a way, they form kind of a, a little pressure to conform. And then people maybe spend a bit more than what they can afford. Or what they are willing to do, which prevents them from saving money. Mm. I mean, that was my impression. I mean, that people, you know, they want to kind of, there, there's this phenomenon of keeping up with the Joneses that they have in the US. And in Norway, I felt that as well. You know, uh, I have to have a, not a Tesla, but uh, I have to have a nice car. I have to go out on Friday. I have to go to the cabin in the winter, etc. Yeah, but I mean, you have this huge pressure from, um, from basically the society uh, that mm-hmm. if you're not driving a Tesla, then you're poor. 
Mm-hmm. If you don't if you don't live in in a good uh, place in Oslo, like Tjuvhormen uh, or something like that, you you're just poor. And I think that's really sad because you don't really need to drive a Tesla. You don't really need a Porsche or Lamborghini or whatever. I mean, it's not about what you do. It's just you, you should do what makes you happy. If 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 mm-hmm. driving a Ford from 1980, if, if that makes you happy, then just do it. You know, you don't need to buy the most expensive car, most expensive apartment. That's that's just a pressure from the society in Norway that you always need the newest thing on the market. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the cabin trips, I've been I've been to a couple of myself, and I recognize what you're saying. Um, it's it's sort of a, a thing, you know. When when Easter comes, it's like yeah mountain time boys <laughs> let's go yeah uh, and it's i don't know it's just we norwegians are focusing on on the wrong things uh, in my opinion the focus should not be on what you have of materials but who you're spending them with mm-hmm. who you're spending your time with and uh, as long as you're happy yeah exactly i mean we, we should all strive for that and try to make the best use and yeah remember i was for example, okay, the cabin trip, it's not my big thing, but it's nice now and then. So, you know, I was politely declining a few times. So my friends will uh, make made fun of me, not not because I was a cheap, but just, uh, okay, it's not my thing. So I'm not going to go, you know, but that's me. I'm happy to say uh, no, so no, thank you. But yeah, maybe not everybody thinks like this, but I grew up in Belgium, which it's a less homogeneous group as well. So I guess it plays a role. <laughs> anyway, the one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Daniel, you already touched upon, okay, the, the banks, DNB, then you went to Revolut, but then for your uh, stocks, where do you invest? Do you invest at a Norwegian broker? I started, uh, I started with uh, DNB actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the costs, the expenses were a little bit too high for me, so I moved uh, to Nordnet. Yes. Uh, and I was like, okay, Nordnet is fine. Uh, you 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 get to buy American, Canadian, uh, German, European as well. Yeah. But I wanted more. Uh, I, I started being really serious about my portfolio and how to build it, and I wanted to allocate my capital or equity towards the Asian market, uh, mm-hmm. for instance. So I moved from Nordnet uh, to Digiro now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I'm using the Giro uh, because you get so many markets uh, available and, and it sort of makes it easier to build up your portfolio uh, to allocate funds towards different markets, Asian, uh, different parts of Europe that are not able through Nornet or DNB. So that's what I'm using uh, currently, but it makes, makes it a little bit tougher because now I have to do the paperwork by myself. I've uh, never done that before, so it's going to be a... It's going to be a tough experience uh, next year when I have to do that, but uh, hopefully it's going to go fine. Well, well uh, I, I was a customer at Nordnet and it was pretty automated. So at least that part was easy. Mm. And uh, I think with DNB as well, but then maybe for uh, the Giro, since they're based in Holland, I don't know how that goes. Maybe you need to do it yourself there. Yeah. Yeah. I need to do it myself. Mm. Uh, that, that's, the, that's the only bad part, to be honest. But mm. then again, I don't know how difficult this is and never done that so it might go pretty easy that as well mm-hmm. uh, but um, we'll have to see i guess yeah yeah of course and then daniel maybe one last point i want to uh, to discuss okay so i think we we get to know your strategy the way you, you think why you do it and now uh, you know you said okay i want to choose i choose the um, the dividend stocks and uh, some funds so daniel how do you choose your stocks actually 
How do you evaluate them? Good question. It's, it's a couple of different uh, metrics, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I uh, look a lot on uh, price earnings, price book, uh, dividend growth, uh, how long has the company paid dividends, um, how are the company built up, how is the management. Mm-hmm. That's very important to me, how the management is, because if the man- management is poor, then obviously the company is also going to be poor. Yeah. The company is what the management is. And how do you, okay, the price earning ratios that you mentioned, the, um, those metrics, these are mm. quite widespread and uh, I think th- these are important. And you cannot evaluate one individually, like only focusing on the price on earnings, but you need to evaluate the whole thing, like yeah. debt, debt, leverage, etc. cetera. Mm. But uh, for management, how do you evaluate that? Um, for me, it's different kind of things, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the recent uh, uh, ad blocking thing against Facebook. To me, that's that's a good step. Uh, that's a good step by the management of different companies when they sort of go against Facebook for doing something bad. Mm-hmm. That's a good signal for me. Uh, it means that they care. They care about people out there. And if they're donating money, that's a plus in my book. If you, if you don't need everything you get in, then of course, it's very nice if you can uh, give it away to someone that, that needs it more than you. Mm-hmm. But basically, uh, the most important thing for me is how the company treats everyone around them, uh, from yeah. buyers to... Uh, Their employees. Employees, basically. Um, mm-hmm. if, are people happy when they work there? If not, then, okay, I'm not going to invest in you because your even your workers doesn't like uh, working for you. Then why should I keep my money? with you mm-hmm. that's sort of the mentality i have if they're not happy then most likely i will not be happy mm-hmm. they know the company more and better than i do um, because they're working there so obviously they know what's happening between those walls better than i do i'm just reading a couple of reports now and then mm-hmm. so uh, that's basically what i'm i'm counting on i'm counting on how they're tackling different situations yeah. And do you um, do you have a Walt Disney in your portfolio, by the way? Actually, I don't. Okay. Okay. Now, because I wanted to talk about this management thing, because I read recently two books and I found them very interesting and absolutely wonderful because it really, I mean, I, I went deeper because, okay, first I invest in Walt Disney, I have some shares, but then I was interested in the business model and I wanted to know more and the management style. And I was really inspired by those two books that I read. Mm. One is called Creating Magic. And the other one is the latest book by um, the future, no, the ex-CEO, actually, Bob Iger. It's called The Ride of a Lifetime. And it's full of uh, great management lessons, etc. So and then you see a bit behind the scenes how Disney's run, what, uh, how people are treated, etc. And yeah, I really love their approach. So for, for me, it comforts me in investing more in that company because they treat their employees well. They get feedback even from the people, uh, you know, doing the, the cleaning, you know, they get feedback from those teams. They try to empower them. And, you know, mm-hmm. I really like to, then I'm, I'm happy to, to be an investor of that company because people are happy. Okay. And Disney, uh, everybody loves Mickey Mouse, but, <laughs> but, but, but I really like to go behind the scenes. And I think that's something interesting to, to look into if you, you're going to invest in uh, individual stocks, it makes it more fun to invest even because you, Get really behind the scene and okay, I like to read and get interested in, in those topics. Exactly. I feel the exact same way. Um, 
if if everyone is happy with the management, then then obviously you you really want to invest in them uh, mm. rather than investing in a company that doesn't care anything for their employees. That's not a good company, and that company is going to fall someday. So mm-hmm. good management means happy people and means happy investor to me. Okay, very good. And uh, Daniel, I think we're we're gonna close about here. Would you have three tips to anyone listening to get started with their finances? What would you say? Number one, make it fun. Always make it fun somehow. It doesn't matter how it's funny. Just make it fun. Make it a competition or something. Or yeah. make it a competition. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge competitive human being. I hate losing. <laughs> especially especially against my girlfriend that's like terrible like shoot me now uh, but make it competitive if you have to i love seeing my portfolio how it does against the actual stock market or friends on twitter uh, my personal friends in life so just make it fun otherwise mm. it's just gonna be a terrible experience <laughs> like everything else yeah okay very good and then, yeah, then I think from your story, we can really clearly hear that you go a bit against the grain. Huh? So be a bit, um, I would say that one key takeaway I take from this conversation is, is that you, yeah, you just have your own meaning, your own ideas. And yeah, you try to follow them and then you will see the, despite whatever people uh, tells you to do or the society tell you to do. Yeah, I mean, always believe in yourself. Mm. Uh, believe in your picks, believe in your choices. And if they were wrong, then okay, they were wrong. You you learn from it. Uh, you never lose. You never lose in life. Uh, you lose when when you die. That's when you've lost because there's not nothing more to it. But in life, every time you have done something, a bad choice or whatever, you just learn. And mm-hmm. learning is probably even better than actually winning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. Okay, Daniel. So as you know, we will close here. And then, as you know, we have our three quick fire questions. Mm-hmm. So the number one question, Daniel, is what has been your best investment so far? I actually had to uh, look at my uh, portfolio for that for the question. Um, mm-hmm. I realized it's my uh, Nordic American tankers and Sakos uh, Energy Navigation. Uh, it's a two shipping companies that I scored 100% in each. Mm-hmm. In well, because you started your journey like one year ago, so it's pretty fresh then, right? Yeah, correct. <laughs> Okay, very so, uh, good. Okay, congratulations. And yeah, then, <laughs> and then the number two question number two: What is the best book you can recommend to anyone? It does not need to be a financial book. Best book, ooh, difficult one. Um, I really like uh, thrillers, crime, but then again, I I love finance. Any book, I'm, any type. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm gonna go with the Intelligent Investor. It's very interesting, even though if you don't like stocks, it's interesting to read about how a man can go from absolutely nothing to probably one of the wealthiest people at that time. Mm-hmm. So uh, just make it something interesting, even though if you don't uh, really like the stock market or finance, just uh, give it a try. It can be fun. And it's not that it's not that hard to read, actually, even if you're not a financial guy. It helps, but it's pretty accessible, I think. Yeah, it's it's very easy to read. You don't really have to be a stockbroker or anything. It's mm. it's very simple. It's very explained in the book as well, uh, and different uh, type of things. Yeah. No, oh, very good. And then the last question for today, uh, Daniel, what is the best purchase you've made for under a hundred dollars or a thousand kroner? 
<laughs> oh, this one, this one was really hard. I even had to ask my girlfriend. We sort of bought a new uh, new boat, sort of this kind of small boat, uh, because I love fishing. So uh, mm-hmm. that's probably my best investment, uh, because I know that every year this boat is going to wait for me to rock rock the sea. And uh, but for yeah. is that for a, under a hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sort of uh, built it myself as well. Oh, I just cool. just bought it, uh, bought a couple of materials, mm-hmm. and uh, made it with with my father-in-law. Mm-hmm. So we built it together and it's sort of been our thing now that every year we're just going to go fishing with our own little boat. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's a uh, small investment and great memories and great experience. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I like that. Okay, well, Daniel, uh, I think that was it for today. Thanks so much for um, sharing your story. And then you don't have a blog nor a website, but you do have a Twitter account. So where can, is that the only place where people can find you? Yeah, I mean, it's basically the only place I'm sort of blogging about my life and investments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, well, very cool. Um, I will link your Twitter in the show notes so people can find you. And then, uh, yeah, then I wish you a happy Friday evening with the boys. Enjoy the <laughs> enjoy the Ull <laughs> and Skola. <Thank> huh? <laughs> and yeah, Skola. Thank okay, you. see you, man. See you, man. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. I certainly did, and I really enjoyed uh, Daniel's enthusiasm for taking care of his finances at his young age. And before we take off, here are the key takeaways for today. Number one, saving money in the bank account will not make you rich, and this is what pushed Daniel to look for other ways to grow his wealth. And that led him consequently to the book The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Number two, to build wealth, One cannot depend on salary only. You will need to invest in a way or another. And okay, in in today's episode, we talked about no way. So that can be real estate or stocks. But then Daniel prefers the liquidity of stocks, for example. This fitted his investment philosophy much better. Number three, saving money can actually be fun, especially if you see it like a tree that you take care about and that you see grow in the long term. Number four, Even if where you live, there's a big pressure from society to buy things, to follow uh, traditions, etc. Do not focus on the material things. Do or buy what makes you happy, not what the society tells you uh, will make you happy. Number five, on uh, stock pickings. When you analyze a company, you will look for, of course, all the classic ratios, price on earnings ratios, price to book ratios, etc. But um, next to that, you also need to look and to evaluate the management of a company. Is it a well-managed company? Does the company care about the people? Do they make large donations? How does the company treat others around them? Customers, stakeholders, are people happy working for them? Remember, happy employees make happy investors. (laughs) There are a few other uh, things to look for. For example, the tenure of the last CEO. Is the CEO there for 10 years, for 15 years, or is it or are the CEOs changing every two, three years? This as well is also a sign of uh, poor or good management. And as a last note, I will go with uh, what Daniel mentioned at the end of the show, which I thought was uh, excellent. Go with your choices. Learning is better than winning. You never lose in life. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at Johnny Talks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
and amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.